Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Surviving My Podcast. A survivor podcast about living with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. Join me as we heal together, raise awareness, and inspire everyone to survive, thrive, and conquer their past. everyone welcome back to surviving my podcast my name is matt i am super stoked to have you all back here with me again for another episode of the show if you are a first time listener a super special welcome to you i'm glad to have you here with me i'm glad that you're joining me and i'm glad that you were able to find this i hope you'll find it encouraging validating and supportive for both you and the survivor in your life And if you are a returning listener, you guys rock. I appreciate you coming back all the time to check out these podcasts. Your insights, your your comments, your encouragement, it all means the world to me. It always helps keep me going. And um, be sure and share this with somebody that you think will benefit because this is a special podcast today that I am so excited to to bring to you. I have a special guest. Rachel Grant is here with me, and we are going to talk about, um, among other things, her book, her coaching and how uh, the brain is affected by trauma. So let's jump right into it here. Rachel, how are you? Hey, Matt, I'm well, thank you. And hello to everybody listening. I'm just so stoked and honored to meet you. So thank you so much for taking some time out of your day and your busy schedule to hang out with me and with the listeners and uh, share some stuff about uh, survivors of uh, sexual abuse. Yeah, sure thing. Happy to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Right on, right on. My pleasure. Um, So of course, Rachel is a coach. She has an MA in counseling psychology and offers multiple coaching programs that are designed to help survivors of sexual abuse. She's also an author of Beyond Surviving, The Final Stage in Recovery from Sexual Abuse, a book that I have read on my Kindle. It's an amazing resource. Uh, You can find it on her website, uh, rachelgrantcoaching.com. I definitely encourage you, if you have not read it, to uh, to check it out. It's such an easy read. It's so validating and encouraging. So, Rachel, it's an amazing book. Thank you for writing it. Oh, well... (laughs) Thanks, Matt. <laughs> it was quite the journey, I'll tell you. But yeah, I'm so glad that um, that you're finding it helpful and useful. And um, yeah, it really was a, a journey creating that that book. It, it wasn't my intention to set out to write the book, but it needed to be done. So I'm happy to have it out there as a support to people. Yeah, it really is just amazing. So absolutely. And again, check it out if you haven't read it uh, yet. Um, I know for at least for me, um, especially, you know, when you read a book, if it's a difficult read and it's hard to understand, sometimes you lose interest, you can't understand it or something, but your book is just so easy to read. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I remember uh, when I was setting out to, to write it, that was a very strong intention of mine was that it feel very doable and very approachable. Uh, you know, healing from sexual abuse is hard enough without having to try to make sense of the tool that you're using to try to get there. Right. <laughs> so, oh, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I was really th- thinking about that. How do we approach, you know, this, this problem from a, a stream, as streamlined a process as we can. Uh, so I think that that showed up definitely in the, in the writing. 
It absolutely did. Let's jump right into this topic here that I was on your website. And of course, the uh, the uh, intro video right there at the top, you know, gives a little intro about yourself and your program and all that good stuff. And you mentioned about how the brain is affected by trauma. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, that sounds like the perfect topic for this podcast, because I'm so interested and just fascinated by how the human brain works and specifically being a survivor of a childhood sexual abuse myself, how my mind and my brain was altered and affected by the trauma. So let's just start out by basically like a simple question of how exactly is the brain affected by trauma? Well, on multiple levels, the brain experiences change as a result of trauma. And so um, research and studies have shown that one of the the very biggest parts of the brain that is impacted is the fight-flight-freeze response system, which is made up of various parts uh, and components of your brain, the main uh, piece of which is the amygdala. So um, I, I always like to to start there because while there are other parts of the brain and other things that can happen as a result of trauma, for most survivors, the dysregulation of the amygdala's response to stress and to triggers is what causes the most frustration or hurt um, or dysfunction in our day-to-day lives. So um, I can, you know, so we can go further into that or I can talk, continue kind of talking very broadly. I'm not sure which direction you want to go in, Matt, but um, but that's always what comes to mind for me, first of all, when thinking about how the brain is impacted by trauma. Yeah, absolutely. And for those that 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 have not heard the term amygdala, maybe give like a brief description of what it is, how it's affected. Sure. Well, so the amygdala, the simplest way to think about it is I like to think of the, it as the bully of the brain. <laughs> so, I love it. I love it. So it's, a, it's, uh, it's ignited in, in a part of a, a system of other components. But um, when we experience uh, something that causes us to think we're at um, a threat, we're being threatened, the amygdala goes into action and it really takes over the brain because the amygdala has thousands of channels in which to send its signal out to the rest of the brain and the body in order to to get us to respond in some way, whether that be to fight um, or to run away or to freeze and play dead. And that's really amazing. It's so good that we have that, you know, response system when tigers are chasing us. The trouble (laughs) is that most (laughs) of us are not being chased by tigers these days. Um, And yet the amygdala, because it's a very, you know, it's one of the oldest parts of the brain and tied into some of the oldest parts of the brain. um, It really, not only is it a bully, it hasn't really changed or grown up much, if you will. And so it still likes to just automatically respond and and be very reactive. So one of the things that I started to notice in my own journey, Matt, was that I would have these experiences in my life years, I mean, years and years and years after the abuse ended. And yet I would start to feel like I was that little girl again. It would almost be like... Um, I mean, that is essentially the idea of a flashback. You kind of lose sense of time and space and where you are and, and all of that. So I'd be having flashbacks or I'd have, I'd get triggered by something, something somebody would say, or somebody would do, would 
caused me to feel such panic and anxiety in a disproportionate way. You know, there was really no um, rational reason for why I would be getting so angry or or upset or reactive um, to these outside, um, you know, triggers, which I didn't even know to call them triggers then. I just, you know, it was something somebody said or something somebody did. So for me, I really wanted to get off of this damn roller coaster. <laughs> it's like this is not I fun. Know, right? <laughs> I don't like walking through my life feeling like at any second somebody could say something or do something, and I basically it was like I felt like I'd lose my grip on reality and on myself and on my responses and reactions that I wasn't really at choice about what was going on. And so that's really why after doing, you know, therapy for years and different programs and approaching this problem from lots of different perspectives, I turned to the brain because I thought, well, there has to be something else going on here that I can understand in a logical way that's going to help me um, create strategies uh, to really address this response system. So that's really where I learned about the amygdala. And once I understood that, I, I said, okay, so the amygdala takes over and it starts running the show. And the other key thing to know about that is there are parts of the brain that then have to kind of take a back seat as the amygdala is bullying them out of the way. Like the prefrontal cortex, which is where we, you know, process rational thoughts or the hippocampus, which is the kind of storage center of the brain, if you will. And also the Broca's area, which manages speech. So I started to understand why when the amygdala was ignited, I would have a hard time talking. I'd have a hard time putting sentences together. I'd have a hard time kind of thinking rationally. And I'd also lose the track of where I was in space and time because all of those other parts of the brain were kind of dialed down. Um, does that make sense so far, Matt? I can pause there. Just no, yeah, sure. yeah, it, it absolutely does. And I love the term the bully of the brain because it makes so much sense. And, and you had mentioned that when some type of trauma happens in the case of you and I and what we work with um, as far as um, sexual abuse is it safe to say that as soon as the the first time it happens that that the amygdala is um, affected immediately and then it's that way from then on or or does it kind of learn and how do I say become more of a bully over time like, like do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, that's one of the troubles with um, the um, you know abro- the brain of somebody who's experienced ongoing repeated trauma. It's almost like your amygdala switch gets turned on and your system stops um, learning or stops doing healthy regulation. So in, in a healthy brain and in a healthy bodily system, we experience a fright or a trigger or a stimulus that causes the system to, to turn on. It's, you know, it's, it's fight, flight, freeze response. So if you think about it, almost like you're climbing up a hill, like base camp is where things are just normal and easy. You're not exerting any energy. (laughs) You're just chilling in your tent, right? (laughs) Hanging out. And then, you know, that that tiger comes at you. So then all of a sudden your system kicks into gear. And so it's like you're starting up that mountain. 
And what begins to happen for a healthy person is you do the response system, you fight, flight, or freeze, but then you come back to base camp and you're like, okay, phew, that's over. If you think about it, like one of my colleagues um, uses this analogy that I really love. Like if you've ever seen a deer um, get startled or an animal get startled or have an, a, a close call, right? Right. They run. And then once they know they're safe, they stop, but then they literally shake, like they tremble a little bit. They like, it's almost like they shake it off. <laughs> like, okay, that was scary. Shit. And then they're back to their kind of cool, normal self, right? They're not storing trauma. Animals do not store trauma because they do that release immediately and bring their system back down. But for those of us who've gone through um, trauma, what happens is we start running up that mountain through the fight, flight, freeze response, but we stay there. And then another trauma happens, so we run up a little bit more. And then another trauma happens. And before you know it, if our system gets to a point of where we're in that cycle too much and we hit the top of that mountain, that's where we start dissociating. Because your system literally, it's like you blow a fuse and your system literally can't process anything else. And so you dissociate because you don't have the skills and tools to bring your system back to that baseline. So really like the work that I do and what I had to learn to do for myself and that I now share with my clients is this process of going up the mountain is not a problem. It's not a, you know, it's not a bad thing. If you, if something happens that triggers you, it's just, if you don't have an off switch, that's where things start getting, um, really difficult because what that means is you're not going to go into this response system in a normal healthy cycle like everyday stresses and everyday things that are happening instead you're going to be triggered left and right and left and right and that's what we want to get out of um, as survivors of abuse wow that's just amazing i love i love the whole deer in the headlights type of thing being startled um i know being a survivor myself and going through flashbacks and um dissociating both at the time of the trauma and afterwards i see exactly what you mean by our our switch kind of being constantly in the on position right mm -hmm. you know like rather than being startled at the sight of a wild animal or, or being startled because somebody came around the corner and then after a minute we calm back down we're stuck in that like uber hyper vigilant type of mode where we're just constantly on edge now yeah. i guess how repairable is this and and i say that only because obviously you know through coaching and stuff we learn why we act the way we do what happened the reasons for it but when the amygdala gets traumatized either once or repeatedly is it something where you you can retrain it or is it something where you just learn to effectively deal with it no, you absolutely can retrain the brain. And that's the, the that was like the biggest relief <laughs> in my study of neuroscience was understanding neuroplasticity, which just simply just means how um, pliable the brain really is. You know, there's this saying, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but that's really a false statement because regardless of the extent of your trauma, regardless of how long um, your system has been dysregulated, Regardless of your age, your brain is constantly um, ready and able to be changed. 
It's just a matter of applying the right pressures and using the best techniques for doing that. Um, I kind of sometimes think about it. Uh, this is another colleague of mine. Oh gosh, his, his name's going to go right out of my head. Um, but one of the ways that he talks about um, abuse is as an injury. And I really like that because if you think about it, like imagine you were out doing something today and God forbid you, you know, broke your leg. You wouldn't say, oh, well, shit, my leg's broken. I guess that's just the way it's going to be. <laughs> no. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, you'd be like, okay, what does what what one do in this situation when one experiences this type of injury? You know, you go to the hospital, you get the doctor, you do the surgery, you put the cast on, and then you do the recovery and the rehabilitation and physical therapy and all this, and then your leg is back to normal. And, uh, you know, some people say, well, what if you break your leg? Your leg has been broken 500 times. It's not going to be exactly normal. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough that there are, you know, some levels of trauma that are very deep, that are very entrenched, that are going to take a bit longer um, to resolve and heal, to be sure. But that doesn't mean it's not doable. And I think that's one of my favorite things about the way that I work with my clients is that we really are looking at the outcomes of abuse as opposed to the actual abuse experience. Because just like when you break your leg, it's like, boom, okay, that's the what happened that set all this in motion. We don't need to keep thinking about the moment you broke your leg. We just need to think about, well, what do we do to address that? What's the next step? How do we resolve that? And so in this, in that same way, the brain can constantly be healed. It can be retrained. Um, it can be taught new tricks, if you will. I love it. That's so excellent. I know when I first started my, my healing journey, my recovery, um, literally about two years ago or so from now, when I first started and I learned about how, how the brain is traumatized. My initial reaction was, oh my God, it's my brain. It's broken. I am screwed for life. I'm always going to be this way. And, you know, once I started doing research and talking with people and understanding how the brain can be retrained, it was such a relief. I mean, mm -hmm. that in and of itself, because I know a lot of times as survivors um, and speaking for myself in particular, we feel like we're quote unquote broken and, right. you know, because we're so different or, or we react to trauma different ways or we react to everyday situations, be, you know, whether they are extremely important or volatile situations or just everyday decisions like going to the grocery store. I was amazed at how much the trauma affected me once I learned why it was affected, but it felt so much better just knowing that that there is actually hope, which is something that I know yeah. as a survivor, clinging on to hope is, is just huge. Like it really yeah. is. So is. Yeah, it's a great point. Something else to kind of move forward, because I know like we could talk about this forever and I love it. <laughs> but I want to move on just a little bit and talk about something that you had touched on. Um, and that is as survivors, something that is so frustrating. I know for me and for people that I talk to, the people that comment on my blog and whatnot is our emotions are so volatile. And, you know, one day we're, we're super high. Things are great. And literally the next hour or the next day. Life is horrible. We're depressed. We can't go outside. Mm. Then that evening, well, you know, somehow things are good again. And then that night before we go to bed, our mind goes nuts and starts thinking about everything. And then we're depressed again. Yeah. Maybe touch a little bit on how that's you know, like basically why that is when you're a survivor of um, sexual abuse or trauma in general. 
Well, so one of the things I talk about in my program is how to have emotional health and wellness. And one of the very first things that I um, I teach my clients is the mind-emotion connection. We often see these things as separate. I'm having an emotion or I'm having a thought. But actually, your emotions are a direct result of what you are thinking. And so if you're thinking, I just messed everything up. I'm a total loser, nothing's ever going to get better. The emotions you're going to be feeling are sad, scared, depressed, (laughs) hopeless, right? Right. And if instead you're thinking, you know, I'm learning how to heal and be better, or, oh man, I messed that up, but you know what? It's okay. I'm going to be better tomorrow, or I can try again, you know, another time. Or, you know, if your thoughts are in the positive about yourself, of being lovable and valuable, then the emotions that you're going to experience are going to follow suit. You're going to feel joyful, content, happy, peaceful, capable, confident, etc. And so one of the reasons why um, survivors feel like they're on this emotional roller coaster is because they're on a thought roller coaster. They have no um, regulation around their thought life and their brain is basically just on autopilot. And so after, you know, when we start experiencing abuse, we immediately start creating belief systems and thought responses. And so those thoughts become reinforced over time and eventually they become what I call our autopilot thoughts. So, you know, somebody doesn't show up um, to, you know, your, your dinner date. And rather than thinking, oh man, I hope they're okay. Maybe they got lost. You know, I hope they're not in an accident. We go straight to see nobody loves me. Nobody ever takes the time for me, right? And so we go straight to those negative thought responses. And we don't have any, it's like we almost don't have our hands on the steering wheel, right? So is all that making sense? Absolutely. Yes, it is. Absolutely. So I think one of the, um, you know, not all my, some of my clients are like, um, I like this idea, Rachel, but that actually means that I'm really responsible. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, you are. (laughs) You really are responsible (laughs) for your thought life here in the present. You're not responsible for the abuse. You're not responsible for all the bullshit that happened to you. You're not responsible even for the thoughts that you created as a result to survive the abuse. But you are responsible for noticing that you are now an adult. The abuse is not occurring right now in the present day. And so we want to make sure that you get into the emergency room and get the skills and tools you need so that you can repair your brain. And you do have total choice about that. And the idea is to become empowered. You know, when I talk about beyond surviving, you know, that phrase really came out of a moment of complete and total frustration in my life. I was talking with somebody about my experience and um, that, you know, still today, you know, like I'm struggling and all these things are going wrong and I don't feel like I have any authorship in my life. And why do I wake up sad one day and wake up happy the next day? All the things you were just talking about. 
And they said to me, Matt, you know, it's okay, Rachel, because, you know, you're strong and you're a survivor and, you know, you're plugging along and and you're getting through. And I kind of lost my shit on that person. (laughs) Poor guy. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I've done that. I've done that. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And I just said, you know, uh uh, this is not, this is not it for me. Just surviving cannot be it. I've got to get beyond that. And what I realized, Matt, was the only way for me to get beyond that was, first of all, to learn some things that I didn't learn because I was going through abuse. But now, you know, 10 plus years on the other side of that, the real meat and heart of the matter comes down to us as survivors finding a place in ourselves. And it's not easy. It can be really scary. It can be really tough. But finding that place in ourselves where we say, you know what, like, I have to be the author of my life. I want to be complete about the past. I don't want to spend the rest of my life just kind of bringing in the old and, and you know, all of that stuff from the past really influencing how I feel or how I think or how I behave. And I want to begin learning how to be the author of my life and to be at choice about things. And so while that can be a scary proposition, at the end of the day, that's really how we find freedom from the impact of abuse. One of the things that really struck me was when we're thinking about how we, if we're having a bad day and then we start dwelling on it and we allow ourselves to kind of spin out of control, it really is about approaching a situation, no matter whether it's a good situation or, you know, like a potentially negative scenario that unfolds, it's approaching it with the right frame of mind and using some some wise mind and some logic to kind of break it down and question mm-hmm. exactly what's going on rather than saying you know like i just failed this test oh my god shit's gonna hit the fan i'm gonna fail everything's terrible i'm never gonna recover or i, I had this project at work that went horribly wrong now everybody's gonna hate me i'm gonna get fired and when we start right. dwelling on that and we allow our emotional mind to kind of spin out of control and take over then we start to go down that you know, that I guess kind of like the downhill side of the roller coaster, yeah. if you want to look at it that way, to where we just start thinking everything's horrible. And if we don't allow ourselves to do that, and we can actually sit back and look at every situation rationally and logically, which isn't easy. I mean, my God, like it wasn't easy for me at first, and I still struggle with it, but that really seemed to be something that helped me a lot was, uh, you know, whenever a situation yeah. would, would go down, good or bad, not to dwell on it and analyze it to the point where everything is so horribly wrong that I can't recover when in fact, because we, you know, we can recover because we have that ability and we have that, that right to have the life we want to recover. Well, exactly. And I, you know, I think where this gets a little tricky for survivors of abuse is, is choice because one of the very first things that we lose as a result of abuse is choice. And unfortunately, a lot of us end up in a place where we continue living as if we have no choice, even when that's no longer the case. I can't tell you how many times in my own life and certainly with my clients, I'll hear them say in sessions, wait, I have a say about that? Huh? Wait, hold on. I, I can make a choice about that? <laughs> and it really is. It's I said genuine... the same thing before. Yeah. I'm like, wait it a minute. A genuine surprise. Really? Like, what? <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Like, 
I have a choice about what my thoughts are going to be or how I'm going to respond to this situation. And yeah, you know, so that's why I make this distinction between autopilot, which is that sensation of feeling like your brain is just doing what it's going to do and it's just taking you on the ride and you don't have any say and that's just how it is compared to being at choice or being the author or having your hands on the steering wheel. So one is going to bring power, one is going to bring uh, autonomy and um, confidence and clarity and stability, and one is going to keep you in that perpetual cycle of up and down and up and down. And so I think that's really good news for us survivors that there are, you know, specific strategies and techniques that can help us reclaim choice and to learn how to regulate our systems to come, you know, to go through that process of a, you know, trigger response, but then how to immediately come back to the baseline, you know, using specific strategies. And when you do that, eventually your system becomes, you know, what we call regulated so that the, you know, the ruminating thoughts, the thoughts that are not there all the time, and certainly the frequency with which you might get triggered or thrown into one of those states are, are few and far between. That's excellent. And um, I have a couple more questions here. So as we're going along, you had mentioned that, well, and more more so of a comment, but with the whole having a choice thing, I know, especially um, for survivors where where the abuse happened when when we were children or for, you know, adults who have experienced it, but are, are maybe, you know, in a situation where they can't get out. So oftentimes the abuser grooms us to the point of thinking we have no choice. We have no rights. We have nothing to look forward to. We are just there for their sadistic pleasure and amusement. Or, yeah. And that often translates, I've found, into as we get older, having that same type of mindset of however we were groomed during the trauma or, you know, perhaps if even if it wasn't sexual abuse, it was some other type of abuse in the house um, where you're groomed to think that you have no choice. You have no right to have the life you want. And that carries over and into an adulthood of um, you know, being, you know, things like people pleasers or, um, you know, something along the lines of just feeling like we're going to be perennially stuck. And when you mentioned about how other of your clients have said how they, they, they never knew they had a choice. I remember saying that to, um, a helping professional when she was saying, you know, there's a way out of this. And I told her, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I am stuck. I'm broken. I was sexually abused. There's no way out. How can I possibly have a choice? But when I learned that that you do have a choice, my God, it was so empowering. Like, I mean, it just totally was empowering to be nice. able to think that we can take yeah. our life back and that and that we have a right to have the life like, you know, everybody else does who isn't a survivor. Yeah, I love that. I remember this moment, uh, Matt, where I was um, sitting there and I was just doing my usual old, uh, what my mom would call my poor pitiful pearl monologue. (laughs) (laughs) Country, just country woman. But, uh, you know, uh, nobody, like nobody's ever going to love me. This is all, all for nothing. What a waste of time it all is. I should just, you know, give it up already. And um, I'm never going to be happy. And there was this, I don't really know where it came from, but there was almost like this adult voice inside of me who said, you know, any minute now, you could change that. And as long as you don't, you're the abuser. Wow. That's intense. It's so intense. Because, 
you know, point in fact, my grandfather died about um, a year after the abuse was um, discovered. And so I was around 11-ish. So from 11 to 26, who was causing the harm? Not my grandfather. Right, right, right. And yes, the effects and yes, the, the pain and the beliefs and the struggle were there because of him. And I don't blame myself, nor do I blame anybody who becomes their own abuser, because that's just what abuse does. But once we recognize that we are free from that situation, we can also be free from the thoughts and free from the effects. And uh, becoming our own advocate for that, I think, is uh, such a key step in the right direction there. In wow. noticing that we have that choice, mm-hmm. it really, it, it it really is, and that's it's amazing, and it, it is so intense when you think about that. And I mean, obviously, you're right. As as a survivor, we we should never blame ourselves or shame ourselves for what happened. It wasn't our fault. We couldn't stop it. I mean, but obviously, uh, clinging on to that and embracing that is harder. Or I mean, is is, is obviously difficult and takes time. It's a journey. But yeah, yeah. But like, as soon as we do that, a, a whole world of healing possibilities opens up. Right. And that, yeah, and that that kind of brings me to my last point, and that is, um, in your opinion based on everything we've talked about and all your research and everything, is it fair to say that someone can completely 100% fully heal from trauma? Or is it that even if we've been in this healing journey for 10 years, 20 years, and we've gone through all the books, all the steps, all the programs, we're self-aware, you know, we're practicing self-care, self-love, everything we're supposed to do. Do we ever consider ourselves fully healed or is it something where we just are able to manage whenever things crop uh, you know kind of crop back up in the future because i know for myself and from others that, that i've talked to people who have been healing for you know decades or for a long time they still have times when a flashback happens or they get triggered so i've always kind of found it fascinating to hear people's opinions about what they consider mm-hmm. fully healing like right you know what i mean uh, absolutely. Yeah. So for me, the term, I mean, healed, it, we have to define what it means to actually be healed from a trauma. So it's kind of, I, I take it back to, you know, that broken bone, um, how <laughs> my mom always says, I can feel the rain coming, right? <laughs> right. Yep. When it's called, it, my knee hurts, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. So um, for me, the way that I think about this is, uh, is proportion. So is my life more consistently happy, healthy, regulated, conscious, at choice? Or is my life more proportionally not that? So there's two goals in the Beyond Surviving program. The Well, there's three. The first is to just give you great skills and tools to help you with your life, period. Regardless of whether you're a survivor or not, actually, those skills and tools can be can be really beneficial. The second is to decrease how often something even comes up or is experienced as a trigger. So there was a time in my life where I, I felt like I was, you know, in a triggered state all day, every day. Right. I know that feeling. <laughs> I've I, been there. Yep. Oh, my gosh. So now it's like, OK, maybe like once a year. Or, you know, if things are really stressful, you know, maybe every six months, something like that. 
So that the idea is it's just a very rare occurrence. And then the second piece really is that you decrease how long you are, you know, kind of dysregulated or in that trigger or suffering as a result of having fallen back into or, you know, something old kind of showing up for you. And um, that to me is the ultimate outcome because life is going to keep happening. There's no way for us to, um, you know, totally, totally uh, eradicate the brain of every single memory response because, oh my gosh, the number of senses and sensations that we take in in any one experience Um, Just even now, as you're sitting here listening to this podcast, you're feeling the, like for me, I'm feeling the warm blanket on my lap. I'm feeling, you know, the air coming in through the window. I'm feeling the texture of my sweater. I'm smelling, you know, the flowers outside the door. I'm listening to my voice. I'm hearing your voice. So there are so many sensations compacted in just one minute of life that there's no way for us to guarantee that something down the road won't hit a neuronal pathway that lights up something from the past, right? What we have to be able to do is decrease those triggers that we know are very clear and specific and get rid of those, which we can do. And then secondly, to be so well equipped that when it pops up, we can pretty much say, oh, well, that's interesting. Anyway, what do I want to have for dinner? You know, right, <laughs> like, right, right. yeah, that's my take on it. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's and honestly, you and I are on the total same page here. I've written about it before, and you know, I've talked about it before on on podcasts and other things about what is quote unquote fully healing. And you know what you mentioned about we were abused perhaps multiple times over years, whatever the case is. Like that's not going to go away. You can't just forget it. But as you mentioned, uh, the, being empowered and learning the skills to be able to ground ourselves, to be able to do things like you're doing right now with, you know, smelling the flowers and hearing the birds and feeling the texture of your sweater and me sitting here, um, you know, as a cat is um, brushing up against my leg and, you know, I have the, the patio open and using things like that, using grounding skills, anything we can do to really stay fully present. And then, you know, doing that repeatedly really helps minimize the triggers. I know I, like you mentioned, I would get triggered all the time. I mean, smells, sights, uh, you know, taste, touch, anything, you know, so many things triggered me. Now I don't get triggered anywhere near as much. And that's just, it's so encouraging when I look back from where I started to where I am now. and, And I'm assuming that's, that's the way it is with your clients too. When you, when they look back from like the first session with you towards, you know, towards their last one and see how far they come. I mean, it's just, it gives them hope. It gives everybody who listens to their story hope. It's just, it's absolutely incredible. It's just, I love the idea of us being able to just minimize the effects of triggers and life's experiences and take control of our life because we have, we have a choice to do so. It's just, it's amazing. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Well, I second that, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) This has been absolutely amazing. I would love to do it again sometime if you're up for it. It's been incredible. Sure. Yeah. Excellent. So we have been talking to Rachel Grant. So why don't you go ahead before we close out, tell everybody where they can find you uh, on the web, social media, and maybe um, about your coaching program a little bit, if you like. All right. You can find me at rachelgrantcoaching.com. And I always encourage folks to um, go to the bottom of that um, page and sign up for my nine page um, guide, a healing from sexual abuse checklist. This is going to help you understand the stages of healing 
and kind of give yourself a sense of where you are in those stages. And then based on that, give you some information as far as what the goals are for you right now um, for healing and what kinds of support excuse me, that you want to get based on which stage of recovery you're in. And if you find yourself that you're right, kind of moving from that survivor and looking to move into that beyond surviving stage, then I really recommend that you apply for a discover your genuine self session. This is an hour long conversation with me so we can really get to know each other better. And I can kind of assess whether the Beyond Surviving program would be a good fit for you. Um, I have a monthly um, support group that is more for folks who are at the kind of that first stage of victim and moving into survivor where they're just coming out of that denial and and wanting to acknowledge and talk about their experience. So there's lots of great resources um, at the website. I, I encourage you to check all those out. And if I can be of any support to you and your healing journey just please don't hesitate to reach out your website is incredible it's full of testimonials information about your coaching of course you can find her on twitter all the information is on her website um i can't wait to do this again thanks so much for for the time today i appreciate it and i know the listeners are going to gain so much out of your uh, your insight well thank you matt take care everyone Take care. Thank you. And with that, let's wrap this up. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Surviving My Podcast, and I will catch you next time. Thanks again for listening to Surviving My Podcast, sponsored by survivingmypast.net, a blog about my life with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD, and in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. This podcast or any resources sponsored by survivingmypast.net should not be considered as therapy or professional medical help. If you are in crisis, I encourage you to seek out the services of a mental health or physical health professional. I also encourage you to check out online crisis support from sites like rain.org, oneand6.org, and The Samaritans. If you would like to be a guest on a future podcast, just contact me anytime through email, matt at survivingmypast.net, or use the contact forms on the blog. Thank you again for your support and encouragement, and always know that you rock. Talk to you soon.